0: you have your Bible or your device, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 14. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament, first historical account of the life of Jesus. And I'm going to be reading beginning in verse 22 as we begin a new series of messages today called Life Without Water Wings. As I read this, I remind you that this is the word of the Lord. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up onto a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves. Because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell them to come. Tell me to come to you on the water. Come. Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? But when they, And when they climbed in the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Some people go through life wearing water wings and staying in the boat. They play it safe, never really committing to anything, never really belonging And so this fall, we want to talk to you about belonging and engaging. You see all the staff have these belonging T-shirts on. I used to be, I was trained to be a lifeguard many years ago. And for a young child starting out with waterlings like this or flotation devices, they can have some limited value. But from people that are familiar with the water know that as soon as possible as soon as you reasonably can, you should take these things off because the best way to be safe in the water and the best way to be productive in the water, the best way to have fun in the water and enjoy the water is to learn how to swim. And so as soon as possible, you want to take those things off. Someone says, well, Scott, I'll be safe because I'm just never going to go in the water. The problem is, at times, you get wet against your will. We're starting an eight-part series today that's based in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, and we'll be using it as a hub, and we'll be moving in and around that. The challenge from this passage that I want to invite you to go on the journey with me on is if you want to walk on the water with Jesus and go and do with God's help, which you could never do on your own, you have to take the water wings off and you have to get out of the boat. Years ago, uh, I was on a flight. I was doing some work out on the West Coast. And I was flying back with, to Calgary, and then we'd come down to Lesbridge back home. I was flying with a guy, and we were coming over the mountains, and it was very heavy turbulence. Probably the heaviest turbulence I've ever been in in a plane. And it was an old plane. It was an old 737 plane. I think we were flying WestJet or something like that. It was creaking and groaning and it was going up and down and the wings were flexing and it was making all kinds of noises and we were dropping and all kinds of stuff. And the guy I was flying with was very afraid. And probably it would be safe to say that we were all a little bit afraid, but he was very afraid. And as the plane would bump up and down and hit air pockets and stuff, as he was talking, his speech would cut off right in the middle of what he was saying. And his eyes would get big as saucers and they would dart around and he would gulp really slowly and he kept looking at me. And at one point he turns to me and he says, you're a pastor, do something religious. And so so what I did was I took an offering. (laughs) Laughter no, he, he, didn't, he didn't say that, and of course I didn't do that. But the big question in everybody's mind as we were flying over the mountains was, can we trust this pilot? And can we trust this vehicle that he has us sitting in as we're flying home? And if you want to get out of the boat with Jesus, you have to wrestle through that question. Can I trust the pilot? This morning we're going to take really kind of an overview of this passage. It's part of an introductory type of message. And the immediate context is Jesus has done this incredible miracle where he's fed with a very small amount of food. He's multiplied it and fed about 15,000 people. And then Jesus goes off by himself to pray and he tells the disciples just before he leaves to get in the boat on the Sea of Galilee and cross to the other side. And while they're in the middle of the lake, we can tell this by reading one of the parallel passages to this, a fairly violent storm kicks up on the Sea of Galilee. And I've been on the Sea of Galilee. It was really calm when I've been on it. But this it's subject to these east winds that come from Jordan. And it comes and it lessels in on the Sea of Galilee. And the waves can get as high as 10 feet high, three plus meters high. And it's not, a, we, it, they call it a sea, it's, it's really just a big lake. At the widest part, it's 8 miles wide, 13 kilometers wide. At the longest, it's 13 miles long, or 21 kilometers long. And a clear day, you can see right across it. And around 3 a.m. or so, because it says in the fourth watch of the night, is between 3 and 6 in the morning, so in the middle of the night, they're in the middle of the lake, approximately 3 or 4 miles across Violent storms going on, and they see a shadow moving across the water. A figure appears to them eventually, and they don't know who it is, they don't know what it is, they're afraid, and they wonder out loud, is this a ghost? But of course we know from the passage, it was Jesus. And so the question is, why did Jesus do this? In the parallel passage in the book of Mark to this passage, the companion passage, it says that he was about to pass them by. And this is biblical language that we see appearing in scripture numerous times. That particular phrasing is used in scripture where God will make an appearance to an individual or to a group to communicate a very important special message. And in each case, he would use a variety of methods. One time he uses a burning bush. Another time he uses the wind. He uses fire. This time he is walking on water. And in each case, he says, I have something very important and extraordinary to say to you. So Jesus tells them to get into the boat. They obey And let me just say, by way of passing, that sometimes we forget this, that we think when we obey God, that this is going to be a guarantee that we'll be spared from adversity. And that's not necessarily the case. And so the storm comes up, even though they've obeyed Jesus, and Jesus has decided that now that the storm has their attention, they need to learn something about the pilot. And so the 12 of them are in the boat, and one of them sees this incredible opportunity to grow, this incredible adventure, and Peter blurts out to them in verse 28. He says, Lord, if it's you, apparently he's still not totally sure, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. And we're going to discover in this series, that it's all about risk-taking, it's about being obedient, it's about extreme discipleship. And it's a story in which we're going to be inviting you to belong and to choose to engage. So put yourself in the story. It's this violent storm, so much so that the, a number of these guys are professional fishermen that's fish on the Lake Sea of Galilee all the time. They are struggling. So it's a violent storm. Imagine the size of the waves, eight, nine, 10 feet high, maybe three meters high. Imagine a left bridge like wind. It's the middle of the night and you are terrified. Imagine that you're Peter and you see Jesus coming and you are invited by the Lord to go on the adventure of a lifetime what would you choose to do? Would you choose the water or would you choose the boat with your water wings on? What is the boat or water wings in your life? What's that which produces fear so much that you're reticent or you're just not going to step out in faith? I was thinking about my life, there's probably a few things, but for me, one of them is the idea of failure. I don't like to fail. For the next person, maybe it's the relationship they're in right now, and they've been seeing this person for quite a while, but the commitment level from the other party in the relationship is ambivalent at best. But you are afraid to talk to them about the nature of your relationship in the future, because you're thinking, I just couldn't handle losing them. And I'm too scared to leave. Another person maybe is a pastor in a church where he doesn't fit and there is division in the church, but rather than speaking the truth and leading them as he should, he tries to placate them. He tries to keep the peace, which of course never really works. And he fears what would happen if he was to tell them what they really need to hear. For another person, uh, their boat and their water wings is their dad, maybe. Their dad's approval. And the way they're raising, they have a young family, and the way they're trying to raise their kids is all predicated on, I wonder if my dad will approve of this. Or this job I'm doing, i I'm designed this job, I've picked this job, because I'm hoping it'll make my dad proud of me and happy with me. And maybe your fear is success. You know, that's the rich young ruler. Jesus has this encounter with the rich rich young ruler. This guy wants to get on Team Jesus, and Jesus says to him, because he realizes that for this individual, the small g God in his life is his resources. And so Jesus does something, he rarely, he doesn't often do this. He says to the guy, sell everything you have, because he realizes this is what this guy is really worshiping. We all have something we worship, by the way, right? This is what this guy is worshiping. And so Jesus says, sell it all and give it to the poor, and the guy won't because he worships his yacht, he likes his big screen TV, he likes his retirement plan way too much. What are the things where you're afraid to step out and courageously trust God? Because if you want to walk on water with Jesus, if you want to have him do in your life what you could never do on your own, you have to step out of the boat. But when you do, expect some problems. And that's what happens here in this passage as well. So over the side, Peter goes. And then it says in verse 30, he's got, just prior to that, he's got his eyes fixed on Jesus. He's on this incredible adventure. But then it says in verse 30, he saw the wind. He takes his eyes off Christ and he sees the wind and reality sets in. And so Jesus invites you on a new adventure, maybe a new job or whatever, Or trying out your spiritual gift for the first time in a fresh way. And initially it's all blue skies. But then reality sets in. And there's some setbacks, there's opposition, there's obstacles. And that's why some people never get out of the boat. (laughs) They never take off the water wings. Because they're afraid of the wind or what the wind might be like. The problem is, of course, if you don't get out of the boat, there's no guarantee it'll be any safer in there. Eileen Gruder wrote this, you can live on bland food so as to avoid an ulcer, drink no tea, coffee, or other stimulates, stimulants in the name of health, go to bed early, stay away from nightlife, avoid all controversial subjects so you never give offense, mind your own business, avoid involvement in other people's problems, spend money only on necessities, have no fun, and save all you can, but you can still break your neck in the bathtub and it will serve you right. you know if you study risk management some of you have if you do some reading on it and you study it if you're going to be honest about risk management it's a big subject the one thing you need to put at the very top of the page that's over above everything you're going to write about how to mitigate and handle risk management you have to write this everything is risky doing nothing is risky. Doing something is risky. So my question would be to me, but also to you, why not just take the risk of doing what God would have you do and belong? Accept fear as the price of growth. You know, if you take off the water wings and step out, there'll be some fear. And the only way to move through that is to just keep saying, yes, Lord Jesus. So, you know, Deb and I were talking about how many times I've spoken in front of crowds. It's thousands of times. We were talking about this last night. Thousands of times. But I still get a little nervous. I was a little nervous down front here before I got up. And I was just praying and saying, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm ready to be a fool for you today. Help me to love these people like you love them. And I'm all in. You use me in any way you see fit, but primarily in a way that will bring honor to you. You have to just say, yes, Lord Jesus. You know, we like to call people who sit in front of the TV too much couch potatoes. I'm going to suggest to you that the other 11 disciples were boat potatoes. And I would challenge you don't be a chair potato sitting there in the sanctuary. What does it mean to be part of the family of God, and in particular, this local church, in terms of belonging and engaging? What does it mean? So we look at Peter, and he starts to sink, and we wonder, is Peter a total failure? John Workberg, in writing about this, says, failure is not an event. Failure is a judgment about that event. I love Winston Churchill, even though he had a couple of rough moments, but I love him and the things he would say, and one of the stories about him is that he had to repeat the first grade. Someone said to me, you, you mean You failed? a year in grade school, and his response, classic response for him, he said, I've never failed anything in my life. I was simply given a second opportunity to get it right. Wonderful perspective, right? Jonas Salk, the inventor of the vaccine polio, my understanding is he had 200 failed attempts to create that vaccine. But in both those cases, Winston or Jonas Salk, we would not consider these people a failure. Did Peter fail? Well, I guess when he saw the wind, his doubts were stronger than his faith at that moment. Absolutely. But I think that the 11 bigger failures were the ones that stayed in the boat. They failed privately, and they failed quietly. Only Peter knew public failure, but only Peter knew what it was like to walk on water. Only Peter knew what it was like to do something. There's no way he could do it on his own. Something that only God could do through him. Have you ever known what that's like? Have you ever known what it's like to do something only God could do through you? To reach for something greater than you? That's beyond you. Something that has eternity stamped on it. In the secular realm, they will talk about these. They'll talk about reaching for something beyond you. But in every case, that's simply temporal and temporary in its achievement level. God says, reach for something that I can only do through you. And in some ways, it might be temporary, but it will also have eternity stamped on it. And so Jesus is calling us to choose to belong, to choose to engage. And I want to just say, if this is your church home, or if you're, you know, you've just moved to town or something like that, and you're thinking about making this your church home, we're going to challenge you to belong, to engage, not to be a chair potato sitting in the sanctuary. Now someone says, "Well, well, Scott, Why should I risk that? Well, I've alluded to one or two things or one or two reasons already. But let me give you some more. Why would you say yes to Jesus? Let me give you a few more. And we're going to be exploring these in more depth as we go through this series. Why would I risk this? Why would I take off the water wings? Why would I choose to belong? Why would I choose to engage? Because it's the only way real growth and true faith develops. It's the only way. If you think you can just be in hovercraft mode, you're actually going down. Secondly, we'll look at this later as well. It's key to discovering and obeying your calling. It's key to obeying and hearing your calling. You don't want to get older one day and look back on your life and ask the question, what might have been? I wonder if the 11 disciples ever asked that question. I wonder what might have been if I'd gotten out of the boat too. I can say this to you as well. If you go on this adventure with Jesus, there is joy that attaches from engagement. Joy that you will never have by playing it safe and by not saying yes to him. You're missing some of the blessing he wants to give you. I'm going to also say again, if this is your church home or you're thinking it's going to be your church home. If you engage and if you belong, what you'll find happening is you'll move beyond being simply a familiar stranger. To a place where you sense that you belong because you're part of a team, you're serving together, you're doing whatever it is God's called you to do. And these are all, I don't know how many I've given you now, five, six, seven reasons. All good reasons. But there's one that trumps all of those. There's one that's greater than all of those put together. And it's simply this. The water is where Jesus is. The water is where Jesus is. And we, oh, we're, we're very, we work extremely hard at this here in, in North America. We want to be comfortable. We want to live under this incredible deception and illusion that we are in control. And then God passes by and shakes everything up. And the call to get out of the boat and take off the water wings... It involves, often it involves some kind of a crisis or opportunity. It often involves some failures along the way, some fear. Sometimes you'll suffer, probably you will, for saying yes to Jesus. But there will always be a call to something bigger than you are capable of, something that only he can do through you. And that's so God gets the glory. And so in this series, we're going to talk in detail about the cost of staying in the boat. And what might have been. But what it means to belong and what it means to engage. About how to hear God's call for us. Peter heard God's call clearly. We're going to talk about taking on a challenge only he can meet through you. About confronting problems and fears and failure. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up as I wrap here. If you do take off the water wings, and these are pretty colorful, aren't they? I got these at Walmart. (laughs) And you get out of the boat. There's going to be two things that happen. Number one, when you fail, and you will fail at times. Jesus will be there to pick you up. We see this in verse 32. Peter takes his eyes off Jesus, he starts to sink, and Jesus reaches out his hand and rescues him. You will not fall alone, okay? You will fail forward, as some people use that expression, and Jesus is more than able to save you. And then secondly, every once in a while, you're going to walk on water.